before I begin, I'd like to welcome everybody and congratulate everybody for reaching a new liturgical new year. Happy liturgical new year. This is the beginning of the new year, the new year of the church. It doesn't start on January 1st. It always starts on the first Sunday of Advent, which is why we will be blessing the Advent candle after this, the, excuse me, the Advent wreath after this, and that's why we kind of begin, we begin, we, we've begun the season in a, in a, in a different color purple color. Advent for me, at least, has always been kind of a funny season because it's not very clear what it is. I mean, you know, you know what Easter is. That's very clear. You pretty easy to figure out what Lent is because everybody's doing it and old time grocery is full on a Friday. It's easy to figure out what Christmas is because, well, there's, there's Christmas carols all over the place and there's, there's Santa Claus and presents and all this other stuff. It's every kid's dream. But what's Advent? And for me, at least as a kid growing up, I, I certainly never knew what Advent was. I didn't really have any memories of Advent except one. Back whenever I was in third grade, I made a, an Advent wreath in my CCD class. And we set it out on my mom's dresser. And one night, my mom asked me to go light the Advent wreath. So as a good, obedient, angelic child, I took a lighter, and I went and I lit one of the candles on the Advent wreath. And then it dawned on me. My mother didn't say to light a candle on the Advent wreath. She said to light the Advent wreath, to which I proceeded to set the thing on fire. Fortunately, the Advent wreath was just a, like a styrofoam plate, so it just kind of like crusted up into, into ash, so it didn't really burn everything down, because if it did, I don't think I'd be here today. <laughs> but point being, though, is that seems to me, at least, to be my relationship, and I think in many of our relationships, with Advent. We're not really clear what's going on. Mother Church asks us to do something. She asks us to do Advent, and we're kind of lost as to what exactly that means. How exactly are we meant to do Advent well? And I think, at least judging by church documents and, and, and whatnot, I think I have an answer on how we can do Advent well. The first, and there, there, it comes in two parts. The first is to do penance. We live in a penitential, this is a penitential season. It's where I'm wearing purple. Which means that this is not exactly a season to be playing a whole bunch of Christmas carols or being, drinking a whole bunch of eggnog or opening up a whole bunch of presents. Now look, if you're invited to Christmas parties, I'm not saying be, be you know, a curmudgeon or anything like that. I'm not saying to be, to, you know, to, to be kind of a, 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 a prude, if you will, about it. But I want to encourage you all to adopt a spirit of penance as opposed to a spirit of, of kind of excess. And the reason for that is very simple. If you play all this Christmas music and, and start indulging in all kinds of gingerbread houses and all kinds of, of sweets and all this other stuff, by the time Christmas rolls around, you're going to be absolutely sick of it. Whenever, whereas, if we, sell, if we do penance throughout Advent, once Christmas rolls around, we'll be ready to celebrate it. And that's how the church celebrates Christmas. The church celebrates Christmas as a Christmas season. And it doesn't end on the 25th. It begins on the 25th. So that's one, way, that's one way in which you can do Advent well. But the other way, and for me, this is the hardest part about doing Advent well, is to reflect on the first coming of Christ. To reflect on Christmas. Now, I don't know if you guys know about this, but Christ already came 2,000 years ago. 
And so whenever we hear these songs like, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and wait for the king, it can often cause within us a little bit of confusion. Why are we singing about, an, uh, why are we anticipating and waiting for an event that happened 2,000 years ago? Maybe another reason why Advent's a little tricky. And so if we turn to the church and ask the church, in a sense, what are we supposed to meditate on? What are we supposed to reflect on? You actually get almost a more confusing answer. Because what she says, as judged by today's gospel reading, is by preparing for the first coming, you reflect on the second coming. You reflect on the second coming of Christ. That is, whenever Christ comes in all of his glory to judge the living and the dead, to separate the sheep from the goats, and to make it clear who's right and who's wrong. To allow us to experience judgment day. And that's a little bizarre, don't you think? I mean, you have the first coming, which is very, very clear. You know, it's very, well, I say it's clear. It's a very, very modest experience. Very simple. Whereas the second coming is downright terrifying. And so the question then becomes, why is the church asking us to meditate on the second coming in order to prepare for the first coming? It seems all a little bit, it seems a little backwards. It would seem like we would want to meditate on the first coming to prepare for the second coming, but that's not how the church is teaching us. And I think this is why. There's three reasons. The first reason to, to meditate on the second coming is so that we can appreciate the first coming. So we can appreciate it. And here's why. The first coming was very, very simple. God became a little tiny baby in a manger in the middle of nowhere. But the second coming is going to be completely different. He's going to come as a mighty man. Everybody's going to know about it. There will be nothing subtle about it. And he'll be very, very clear. And it'll be very, very outright scary. The second thing is in the, in the, in the first coming, Jesus was very, very humble and very private. Kind of came, came very secretly and did not make it very, very public. Whereas the second coming, it'll be totally reverse. Jesus will come, it'll be public, it'll be bold, and it'll be terrifying. And finally, the difference between the second coming and the first coming. The first coming was a coming of mercy. Mercy. An opportunity for you and I to be saved. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Come and save us. It was a coming of mercy. The second coming, on the other hand, will not be one of mercy. It will be one of pure justice. It will be an apocalyptic coming where our sins will be revealed and you and I will face judgment day once and for all. Either we will pass or we will fail and there will be no in between. Pretty darn scary, as opposed to the first coming, which is much more modest, much more enjoyable, much, much more kind of comforting to meditate on. So then that begs the question, why, why, once again, why the second coming? Because in the second coming, we see the beauty of the first coming. You see, God could have just done things in the days of Noah. He could have just wiped us out and we could just be done. In a sense, his first coming could have been what we call his second coming. Could have been he came in might. Could have been he came in power. Could have been he came and just wiped us all out and just judged us on the spot. But that would be terrifying. That would not be, that would, that would, that would not be exactly what, what we expect of the Lord. But instead, what he does, even though he could do that, there's nothing wrong with that. He's the Lord. Instead, what he does is he comes in mercy. He gave us a second chance. 
He gave us an opportunity to be redeemed. He's giving us a chance to take advantage of his mercy. One of, one of my, my favorite priests, Father Michael Gately, he wrote the book, Consoling the Heart of Jesus. He also wrote 33 Days to Morning Glory, a Marian consecration book based off of the reflections of St. Louis de Montfort. And the point that he always makes, if you listen to him speak, is that right now we are living in the time of mercy. The second coming will be justice, but right now is a time for mercy. But the other thing too, and the other reason why I think that the second coming helps us appreciate the first coming, is that whenever you and I experience Judgment Day, all you and I will desire, quite frankly, is a Savior. Because come Judgment Day, none of us can stand in the house of the Lord. None of us can justify ourselves. None of us can explain away what we've done and how we've done wrong. We don't, we're not capable of that. We have offended the Lord, which means that we deserve eternal punishment. Which means that if we are to have any shot come Judgment Day, we're going to need somebody to intercede for us. And that somebody is Jesus. And that is seen in our first coming. The second thing, the second real reason, I think, too, of giving us the second coming to meditate on is for focus. The first reason was appreciation, the second for focus. As many of you guys know from personal experience, focus is not my gift. I have a lot of ADHD and I often don't know what to do with it. So I was reading this book called Deep Work to help curb this attention deficit disorder. And I found and ran across a pretty cool quote from an article by a man named David Brooks. The title of the article was The Art of Focus. And this is what he says about focus. If you want to win the war for attention, don't try to say no to the trivial distractions you find on your information smorgasbord. Try and say yes to the subject that arouses a terrifying longing and let the terrifying longing crowd everything out. Say yes to the subject that arouses a terrifying longing and let the terrifying longing crowd everything out. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no greater terrifying longing than escaping Judgment Day with a positive outcome. There is no greater terrifying longing than the longing, the desire to be saved. Which is why this meditation on the second coming is so important because it arouses that longing. And arousing, and arousing that longing, it gives us that opportunity to focus, that, that clarity of mind to focus on the one thing that's important. And that one thing is Jesus Christ coming in the flesh on Christmas time. That's why we focus on the second coming, to arouse that terrifying longing to give us that focus. But finally, the reason for the second coming, the focus of the second coming on this Advent season, is to take advantage of his mercy. Guys, you can be as focused and you can appreciate Christ's coming as much as you want. It'll be beautiful, it'll be awesome, but it'll mean nothing if you don't take advantage of the mercy. If you don't come to confession, if you don't do penance, if you don't give yourself over to the Lord. That's what Advent is really about. Re-consecrating ourselves to God by recognizing that deep and terrifying longing within us to be saved. By recognizing that you and I need a Savior. And the only way to attain that Savior is by acknowledging the presence of Jesus Christ 
and by celebrating Advent, and of course, definitely by not burning down your house, by burning down the Advent wreath. Amen.